We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, everything, everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. She's Lisa V. And he's Randall Keith. And this is another episode of Brunch Culture, the weekly show where everything is up for discussion. Now, Lisa, I got a question for you. Huh? Well, recently, Paula White stated that when you come against President Donald Trump, you are coming against a man of God, and he is God's child, and he is here on assignment by God. How do you feel? Paula White has no credibility. Um... Ever since I saw her on TBN or the Word Network acting for an odd number for a prophetic come up, I couldn't. I, in my eyes, I couldn't. Lisa, when you what, was the, what was the number? What was the number? It was something like one twenty five fifty two. It was something random, and I said, "You know what? God don't want my change." I can't. I can't. I can't do it. You know, her gig is she's white and she preached black. She black. It's culture appropriation. It's like Kardashian a black church. I don't know. (laughs) She says the Kardashian a black church. (laughs) They're everywhere. They're taking over. We can't have nothing. We can't have our music. We can't have our fashion. We can't have our lips, our hips, and not even our preachers. Weezing while you preach it, that's belong to black people. Oh, gosh. That, when I don't know what to say, man, to give you a nebulizer, that's black preaching. That's not for you. That, I just, you gotta stop. Let us have our Let us have it. I can't. I don't mean to. She act with me to She asked with me the two cents. She said the Holy Spirit moved her. Listen, and he I got it down like... to the penny. <laughs> the Holy Spirit had done calculated how much change he needed from each person in the congregation. Oh my gosh. They tell you that it's 10 people in here to give $100 and then only five walk up and then they act like God changed his mind. That be confusing me. I just be like, what if we. That's why she she said she's going to fix it. She said, you know what? This is how I'm going to get them. I'm going to ask them to bring some change too. So, what you do if you don't have the change though? Like, y'all got to it's like an ATM. I've been in a service where they be like, well, if 10 people don't got it, it's y'all get up in groups and get it. Now, wait a minute. You said 10 people. Now, we're not in slavery. We're not three-fifths. <laughs> we are whole people now. Oh. You, I don't trust you. If Yeah, I can't. I don't trust that. God is so. out here flexing the CPA he got. He getting down to the change. He telling about this fifty two cent. Just tell me you short in your in your monthly overall cost, and you need 
You can be. This is what you calculated so y'all can break even and pay people's salary. And your TV time. Just tell us the truth. I would more give to that. God, I calculated the 22 cent. Oh, God. So what happened was they looked and saw they was in the red for the month and oh, they decided it by how many people had to get it to them. Just tell me that. Look tell at, me the truth. Paula White is out here telling folks that I just can't take it. Lord. <laughs> you are fighting against the hand of God and she need 52 cents for she her to tell you that. This is this is incredible. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I can't. I can't call it. Everybody oh, who's Lord. supporting Trump is still saying he's God's man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what type of God they serve. Oh. <sighs> but you know, who am I? Who who is me to judge? <laughs> what, what is it? Who are me to judge? Whatever happened to, to that guy? Is he still he's still out here know. scamming I people want too? Him to go where I want him and Paula White to go to the same place. And take a break and not get away from social media and church, just all of it. Just take a break. Paul the way. All right. Well, um, after the, one of the best laughs, I needed that laugh. That was like the best laugh of the day. Um, let's get into this mimosas and orange juice. Um, I don't even know what to say. I don't know where to start. But Tori Hart, she out here, she's still the same way. She want Nico to go somewhere, apparently. With these, they say they lying on each other. Uh, truthfully, Aniko needs to go somewhere though. Real talk. Did you did you follow like everything that happened? I followed some of the thread, but I felt like Aniko shouldn't have said anything about anything. Nothing whatsoever. So to catch y'all up to speed, if y'all if y'all don't know, um, so Aniko, a fan post, Aniko posts a picture of her and Kevin Hart. A fan uh, comments on the picture. And basically says something like, I guess Aniko in her caption said, like, her and Kevin Hart been together for like eight years and counting or something like that. So a fan is like, well, check it. You know, he's only been divorced for six years. So you might want to put like, a, you might not want to put a timeline out here because you gloating as if, you know, this is a, like an amazing relationship. But he's y'all been together longer than he's been divorced. Like it shows a problem. And so. Aniko pretty much responds, you know, saying that she's not like flaunting anything and that the marriage that he had was broken up. Um, she pretty much says that she's comfortable. She's used to people saying that she was the side chick because she broke up the home, but she never broke up a home. She was the only one that stuck. There was multiple women that, that came so many other women that came before her. They had marriage problems. They weren't living together. The marriage was over. Um, and her and Kevin Hart got together basically saying like, and, and she said that that's the thing that started. She said, Tori Hart put that out there to play in quotes, the victim. So then Tori Hart mm -hmm. responds and was basically like a Nico forced her hand. You know, she's like, she's, they why did she even bring her anyway? Which that's was so the, crazy. Yeah, and that's, that's the reason that I was like this whole thing. Like you, you should have said nothing. You should have said nothing at all, especially directing it, directing it to the ex-wife. Like, no, honestly, as, as I watched the video, I think TMZ did with Toy Harden. She was like, truly numbers don't lie. And it's kind of like, yo, Aniko, truth be told, you can't really argue with numbers, whether they were like 
not together physically or emotionally they were separated, they were still married, yo. And so based on that, you're going to always lose this argument. Like you might as well not, you made as you might as well not even try to come up with something or, or try to like be, try to say that, Oh, it was her. She came up with all this. Cause you based on dates and numbers, you were going to lose this battle. Just don't say nothing. Shut up. Like, but for me, it's kind of one of those things of, I think it is, I think to me, it just kind of shows signs that maybe Aniko is not as confident in her relationship as she says she is, um, where she mm-hmm. feels the need that she has to respond to just some random fan. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Tori Hart or somebody else that maybe would have some sort of inside scoop to their relationship, said something. So she needs to def- defend herself. She said it to a fan. It was like in a clapback moment. Like, mm-hmm. just don't say nothing at all. I'm going to bring blame it on the harm, hormones. Maybe she's hormonal because she's pregnant. Um, <laughs> we, I, I can give her that. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe. Cause I, I mean, I'm sure this is not the first time this was said. And she seems like they don't seem like they respond to things personally. But maybe that's what the reason she did it. But again, you're going to lose. You, like you, you said, you're going to yeah. lose every time. Because every you're just, time. You're, all you're saying is, yes, he cheated with me, but I wasn't the only one. Right. And I'm the one that stuck. That's what she said. And I was kind of like, I mean, you know, I ain't no, I'm not a woman. So I don't know if that's like a thing that makes you feel special. But like. Shouldn't that be like he was cheating on you too? <laughs> yeah. Like, is that like, is that a good thing that, you know, and he we- cheated with all these other women, but you're the one that just kind of stayed around? Like, that's, that's something I mean, that's supposed to be show- his non-loyalty because I mean from what I've gathered from their situation Tori worked and supported him while he was trying to come, come up, up. Yeah. so if he doesn't have loyalty to her in regards to faithfulness why should he have loyalty to you who who hasn't supported him on his come up you know what I'm saying you're kind of just you, you're reaping the benefits of his come up yeah um, so it's, it's not it wasn't well just wasn't well put together like that wasn't a it just wasn't a good thing what i will say though and this is to honestly to everybody that keeps saying this frustrates me all the time and i've i always have these type of problems with people in general stop saying that it's a feud between a nico and the ex-wife and they both are wrong like come on no like if you if you read toy hearts response and even if you just watch the video clip there was nothing that she said honestly that was out of line and she it's like she, and even if she did she was responding to something that was completely left field like y'all gotta stop blaming both parts on somebody defending themselves like honestly Tori Hart is saying yo you forced my hand like you either finna make me look like I'm a liar in to, to to the general public, you know that you know you have a following. Kevin Hart has a following. We're in this situation based on this celebrity that he has and how big his name is. So everybody has opinions about it. It's best if you just don't even say nothing. But don't blame, don't blame. Oh, they're having this big feud and both women just need to move on and get over it. Toy Hart moved on. She over it. <laughs> she like the only reason you just dragged me in. Exactly. The only reason she's responding because you said that she made I made this up to play a quote unquote victim when the dude has admitted that he cheated on on, on her multiple times. <laughs> like he also admitted that they got physically violent with each other. 
multiple times. <laughs> Yo, like, I'm not playing a victim. Fool, I was a victim. Like, you need to shut up before you become a victim. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's just crazy. I know that he did say something about it on his Instagram story, but I didn't get to listen to it all. I know it's it's probably gone now because that was like 48 hours ago. Um, but he was, did say it something. It was just something I didn't watch. I don't know if I watched the whole thing. I just watched some clip that people were saying was his response. And all he was saying was that like he um, he lives, he's open about his his life and his relationship and his, his the things that he's done wrong and his flaws and he did it in his stand up and he grew in his stand up and stuff like that and he was like and people still trying to tell him that they know more about his relationship than him so he didn't directly address it um i imagine that he probably wouldn't because i feel like if he tells the truth then he would probably be seen as being on Tory Hart's side and then if he don't tell the truth, then he'll seem like he'll be on the Nico side, but then everybody would argue him down about how wrong he is. So it's just kind of like, Brad, just, you know, you played it cool by addressing the fact that the general public keep talking about your life and just keep moving. Like, because yeah, this is a losing he, battle. And he said he would never publicly say anything bad about his ex-wife because that's the mother of his kids, which I respect. But he used to, though, which is the thing. He And I'm actually glad that he stopped. Because the, the stand-up show that I went to in Orlando, he was going in on her. And oh, wow. For real? Yeah. Like, not like, he wasn't like calling her out of her name, but he kept talking about how crazy she was and how she was bitter. And like, you know, when something is over, you just need to let it go and move on. You can't sit around and be mad at me because I found happiness. Just be happy, happy for me. And I remember like there were people in the audience like cheering and like, oh, and I was just kind of like, but bruh that's not really fair like i mean you cheated on the lady bread like y'all was married like she you know she bust her ass to get you to support you to get here and like you cheat on her apparently multiple times and now you off to be with somebody that you're saying that you're so in love with which is you know it's fair whatever you're in love that's cool but like don't talk about it it's best just not to say nothing about her at all just be like you know what it is what it is i think she crazy i'm just gonna leave it alone as opposed to going and talking about she crazy and she's bitter it was kind of he kind of went on the same thing of like what people go in on steve harvey about like with his ex-wife saying mm -hmm. yo she just need to get over it and she need to move on and it's like yes that's true at some point in time you have to let it go and move on <laughs> But you can't argue with these people hurt or the process that they have to go through. Tell them they need to speed up their process because obviously you over it. You the one that cheated. Like, it's yeah. Just... And we need to stop hashtagging relationship goals on people's situation that obviously had very, very rocky. Uh, build on a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Monica said a long time ago, it was build on a lie. So you can't. You can't be around here talking about relationship goals when your relationship goals is being like the the praise once once upon a time side side chick like I guess mm -hmm. that's and you wouldn't want it done to you that's what I yeah. I think that's the thing you wouldn't want it done to you I mean Kevin and Nico's pics are cool I mean they're cute I like them um <laughs> I hit double tap uh but I think you know all things considered. You have to be like, well, take things kind of with a grain of salt. Like, you right. know, this is your situation, but I'm not going to hashtag relationship goals on it because I don't want that situation to happen to me. Neither do I want that to be my my journey to get to, quote unquote, 
the my soulmate. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's not that's not cool. You just don't know what the what people had to go through in order to get there. And you just, I think too, from a place of people that want to be relationship goals. I think you know Kevin Hart and Nico look at themselves as like relationship goals. And I'm not saying that they don't love each other. I'm not saying that the love ain't real. Um, I think just from from a fair place in an honest place with both of them, it's kind of like, it's best not to talk negatively about her in that relationship because you don't know from a Nico's position. It's like, honestly, you don't know what she went through. You weren't there. You know what I'm saying? At least for the the bulk of it. Like you weren't there. It, maybe you came around towards the end, but you knew one side, which is his side of what he was telling you because you became like the, you know, the main girl or his love interest or whatever towards the tail end or whatever happened. It's just kind of like, it's just best if you just stay away from talking about the ex-wife, especially when y'all relationship kind of came out of that situation or happened during the time that situation was still being settled, finalized and worked out. It's just kind of like, yo, just be like, yo, you know what? Those rumors weren't true. Um, we're in love or you know what? Like think what you want to think. I'm in love. We're happy. Here's the numbers that I'm putting out. This is the numbers that we both stand by. It is what it is. Like just don't address her at all. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like ultimately it makes a tough situation for the kids too, because I'm quite sure they're excited about having a new sibling. Aniko's beautiful. I'm pretty sure she's super fun. Like, it just makes the whole co-parenting situation that y'all going through just not good, especially because y'all got all of these people that's going to be commenting on it, too. Just It's just best just not to say nothing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, it looks like R. Kelly might be going to jail. Wait, so wait, he is going to go to jail? They they had they were just like people they are looking into charges, and didn't the girl come out or something and say? No, I did. Yeah, I was gonna say I did see um, one article that said that a girl that used to be, she was one of the I guess one of his house girls and one of the girls that was involved with him. But she said this happened during the time that he was going through the trial for the video. Mm. Um, and she, but she was like, she would like skip school to have sex with him. Apparently she did a video too. I think she did it with Buzzfeed. Now I didn't read the whole entire skip high school. Yeah. She would like skip school oh. to go be with R. Kelly. Um, and she, she signed, apparently she signed like NDA agreements. Um, I said NDA agreements, the A is agreements, but <laughs> non-disclosure agreements and um apparently too the, but like the the little article that i read said that this is not just like some random girl that's saying this they apparently obtained documentation proving that his management company made payments to her they got copies of the ndas where she signed it as a teenager agreeing that for them by accepting the money she wouldn't talk about it she wouldn't ever talk about it and she's saying that, like, you know, she was she's cool with breaking her silence and whatever, like legal repercussions or consequences that come with that, because she wants to help the girls that are in it. And also another friend that she introduced to it as well. Like, it's it's real. Like, whoa, this is deep. Like, you know, what I'm saying like this is some crazy stuff. Like, 
he need to go to prison for real. Be under the jail. Like it, it it's it's so sad too because it's kinda it's one of those things that at this point, and I was having this conversation with a friend of mine because I've had, you know, people that say, Well, you know, we don't criticize Hugh Hefner about these things and we don't look at the Playboy mansion and say that like essentially he's doing the same thing. He's housing these women and they're probably performing like sexual favors for him and all of this other stuff. And we don't know. And I'm like, you know, while that could be, there could be possibly slightly some truth. I don't believe that just because he's white and it's accepted that this is the standard that we should have for be like, Oh, well, this is the standard we have for us. Like, no wrong is wrong. So if this guy's wrong, you know, we need to, we need to look into this, but I think the difference that comes with R. Kelly, and I'll say this and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know, you know, Hugh, Hefner, Hugh Hefner's like legacy or past or like everything that led up to it. But we know that this guy for sure has had consistently since the 90s, some very like questionable activity with young girls. We know that he was married to Aaliyah and Aaliyah was something like 15 years old. Um we also know that there's a tape that people say that like it definitely looks like him, but he got off on it. We've heard accounts of so many women that were young women um, proclaiming that like they they've done these things with him and talking about the money. And it's just kind of like at some point in time, you kind of got to stop. You can't really make no more excuses for him. You got to be like, look, I mean, bruh. <laughs> we gonna follow this innocent until proven guilty but bro you got a lot of questionable stuff going on like this a lot <laughs> this is not yeah, some he's... one isolated situation and it's like to know that you have had that type of dealing if this is not truly who you are and you're not truly that guy if you know that based on the past and history people have tried to make you out to be this person you should probably, and you're a public figure, you should probably want to steer clear of this stuff completely. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and the sad thing is that nothing, I'm, honestly, for some people, nothing he does will ever change their perception of him. Like right, I told you, that right. woman on my timeline was like, oh, now y'all better get y'all heads off R. Kelly. You know, that that kind of fan base he has because people love his music so much that they'll excuse his behavior and that's not right. Yeah. You need to hold him accountable. I can love uh step in the name of love and still say you need to be in prison. That this, um, and, and that's a very that's a walk very and chew true. Right. That is a very, <laughs> very true statement. So me and my me and one of my homeboys were talking about it and I was like Yo, honestly, I'll admit that it is tough and it is challenging, like because Step in the Name of Love has become one of those black family reunion things or black wedding things that you do. We did it at my stepmom's wedding. Right. Um, and if, it's kind of like it's one of those things that is like it has become such a norm in people's lives or getting together with their families. It's like somebody telling you that the electric slide like the person that created the electric slide was out here like raping folks. And you're like, wait, we always do the electric slide. Like <laughs> we do that. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, yo, you can do both. Like you really can. Like, no, I'm not going to be out here buying R Kelly stuff. I'm not, I'm not streaming stuff. Like I'm just, I'm done. I went to Apple music. was like, please stop playing this artist. Um, but if I already own something of yours, like it's really for me is if somebody turns on stepping the name of love at a family event, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I, I, like, I feel like that's, that's, I can't control what you do. That's ludicrous. Like, no, I'm not going to go out and put my money behind it, but 
if my mama want me to step, step side to side, round and round, dipping now because like I taught her how to do it ten years ago. All right, like let's do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I feel like you can have you can have both. Like you can agree that I'm not supporting this person. I'm not gonna put money behind them. I'm not gonna stream their music. Like I'm not gonna support this in this way. And also realize that there's some people in some places where you're probably going to hear this song and you don't have to like fall out and die and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm melting. Like, no, it don't have to happen happen like that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you can, you know, know that it, I mean, it's just so many things in history. We would have to like not engage in, if that makes sense. And everything you have to delete everything people can be very jacked up <laughs> people can be extremely jacked up it's like people not watching the cosby's anymore like yeah, you know that, and that's that's what i feel like we, maybe we should have that discussion one day because that is a very i've gotten to some seriously like heated discussions with people about watching the cosby show and this is coming from me who did not watch the cosby show did not like the cosby show I thought it was fake. It was something I couldn't relate to. I just, it was not, I was like, this is not real. Like this ain't it. But I say that. And I also do not think that a person that decides to watch the Cosby show is horrible. I don't think that they're dumb or they're like, Oh, you're just like, no, watch the show. (laughs) It had some, you know, great lessons. Um, from what people have told me, like, and the things that I did see, I would see like pe- bits and pieces of it. I don't think I, w- I might have never even watched a full episode of the Cosby Show. I'm gonna say I Mike wasn't like the sure. biggest fan of it, and not because I thought it was like unrelatable. I just didn't like it that much. Yeah, it was just never a show I liked that much. But it was cool. It wasn't like I hated it. Right. Some episodes were okay. But it wasn't like a must watch for me on my on my whatever night it came on when I was younger. It wasn't that. But I could still pass it and be like, oh, okay. And say, okay, you know, he did wrong by these women. He should be prosecuted for that. I can still say that. I think, you know, I don't know if people have an issue with doing both. Um, I don't have to turn it off when it comes on, but I can still say he needs to go to prison. You know? <laughs> I was just going to say, and I think honestly, a lot of people have that issue until it's their fave, until it's somebody that they completely love. And then they're like, oh, no, you know, you start to justify it and make excuses for it and be like, well, it ain't that bad or, you know, that's unsubstantiated. And I think that's the type of for me, that's the type of understanding that I wish people would just carry in in every situation. Like, I'm not super tied to bill cosby or or r kelly like you know there's some songs and like some stuff that's like oh that's that's a classic like yo that's cool but i'm not personally gonna be fighting for oh you but you 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 know they y'all they wrong they wrong like no they're wrong they're wrong what's interesting to me you know i my love for boys to men it's so crazy i started thinking about this actually what like kind of helped me out but i was like you know if if boys the men did something or said something, or I found out that like Wanye Morris, who I've like idolized since I was a kid, like if he, you know, did something extremely bad, how would that, that would be hard for me. Like it would be really, cause it's like all of these different points in my life, this person's music 
and who that person is or what, at least what I've known them to be has been inspiring and it's done all this stuff. But honestly, at the end of the day, I have to get to a point where like, all right, then, you know, he needs, he sucks. He needs to pay for it. Like, I still like his music. I still think his voice is great. I still got all these albums and unlikely I'm still going to listen to them all because I think it's amazing. However, if it's jacked up, then it's just jacked up and people are complex everybody has multiple sides to them and so many different facets of who they are like let's just let them be that way yeah and if you watch insecure you'll know people are complex i don't know why that just made me think of insecure because it just it's so many characters and complexities yeah because i got um, molly the hole on there but um oh my god <laughs> I didn't I'm just playing. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm really joking, y'all. I'm really, really. I really don't think she's. I really don't think she's. A... <laughs> My God, that was. Just she's dead. like, oh, breath God. away. <laughs> <laughs> God, like, I actually like Molly in the show. I think she's just going through a lot. I, but I only <laughs> say that, and we're not going. I feel like this is why I don't oh, like God. insecure because I feel like we're always about to talk about it, like. We literally could talk about this and dissect this show every week. But the only reason I say that jokingly again is because I feel like it's so easy for people to give Molly a pass or understand what she's going through. But I feel like my boy Lawrence is going through a lot of stuff too and nobody don't want to give him no chance. Now, so how about this eclipse? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even got That's what we're doing? <laughs> I don't even got the... <laughs> That's what we do. To even engage Team Lawrence and Lawrence High. <laughs> so I saw you on Instagram uh, going your eclipse. Yeah, so I did the eclipse. I, I like how you just just ignored my whole statement, but that's cool because we gonna we gonna do a show when this this show when Insecure wraps for this season. We are going to do it's probably gonna be like a two three hour show where we just gonna hash it out. We just gonna just dive into it. And really just talk about it. But anyway, I did the eclipse. I saw the eclipse. Of course, in D.C., we only got like, I think it was 81% of an eclipse. It was pretty dope. Um, Actually, with Saturday and Sunday, I woke up and went to the museum, the um, Air and Space Museum. They were giving out free uh, glasses, um, the solar oh, was that in glasses. Oh, in D.C.? The Air and Space Museum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they actually have two locations. It's one in like Northern Virginia, and then there's another one that's right in DC. Um, Never knew it. <laughs> they're actually pretty. I both. thought you went out of town. No, I was like, oh, you went out of town. They're actually both pretty nice. Um, so I went and viewed it on a national mall. So we only got eighty-one percent coverage, but with the glasses, you could actually see. You know, the moon started peeking, and for a lot of times, it really did look like Miss Pac-Man. It was real cool. It was like regular Miss Pac-Man, then Miss Pac-Man that was a little malnourished, then Miss Pac-Man that was like <laughs> in hospice about to go out, and then like she yeah. got to turned around, then she came back. It was actually cool, and it was a bunch of people, you know, out there sitting on the grass. That's one of the things that I love too. Um, just there was like old people doing it it was young people it was pretty cool but i also saw the video from um i think charleston south carolina where it went completely dark that mm-hmm. was pretty dope that was really really dope yeah my brother's in columbia and he said he saw it the uh it went completely dark where he was nice so in in jacksonville it was super super cloudy because it's been raining this whole summer i've never known it to happen like this but it's been raining every day this summer that 
almost every day. And so it was super cloudy. People were saying they was seeing it. I went to go get me some lunch and all the <laughs> workers were outside trying to look at the eclipse. I was like, hey, so somebody go fix me some food? Cause <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what we're looking at because I'm looking at the sky and don't see really nothing. Then I'm scared to look at the sky. I don't want to be like Donald Trump and be disobedient. This guy. Uh, yeah, we never even go there because that was real. Yeah, it was real dumb. He doesn't listen to anybody, but you know, I digress. So I didn't really pay any attention to it. So, but much, much love to y'all who who went out there and did did the whole full eclipse day. Yeah, it was it was I, yeah. I took the day off. It was it was good. It was good. It was a good time. Actually, I Ubered into DC, and my Uber driver was talking about it. He he didn't really speak. Much oh, English. you talk to your Uber drivers? Yeah, I usually, you know, okay. it depends. You're, friendly. You're a good Christian. Because, you know, when I get in the Uber, I just be like, oh, okay, where we going? I say, <laughs> hey, and I don't want to have no more conversation. <laughs> the last, you know, the last time I was in D.C., this was so crazy. The girl was on, um, she was having a conversation with her homegirl when I got in the Uber. She continued to talk, but then she brought me in the conversation. <laughs> about her she was like my own girl on the phone talking about you know dating some dude that's 35 is old what you think and I'm oh. like well, I'm 30 so I mean it doesn't really matter to me but she was like oh you 30 so it was like, was like oh. why are we why are we having a three way conversation you just I don't even mind that you talk to your friend you don't have to talk to me though and I will give you five stars <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you for talking to you. Yeah, you know, I always try to I actually got a, a a free ride by doing it one time. Um, and oh. you know, typically I just end up talking to people because I kind of like talking to folks. But I you're end extroverted. Up, my, I really think I'm introverted, but that's a whole other thing. Um, and I'll tell you, we have we done a show about that? Maybe we need to do mm-hmm. a show about that. We, we we'll add that to the list. Yeah, yeah, we got it right after insecure. <laughs> I just feel like you waiting to go in on me for insecure, and that's cool though. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to be Team Lawrence. He ain't seem like a stand up guy. Blocking people because he see a picture. Lawrence is. I'm not saying because you know the 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 thing. I I was real quiet from the last time with the you know the two, the two girl the two girls from the grocery store. It was why they had to be white. It was just a lot happening, and I was like, bro, I've been trying to you know i'm still on your side bro but you 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 know it's like you support somebody's like your friend they do something real stupid you be like i mean i've been up until now i've been advocating for you but now it's like bro for 40 dollars like 40 dollars like that's all it took and then it was cokeheads it was all right yeah but so anyway um the other thing, uh, just real fast, we've been here for a little minute. Um, did you see that Latoya Luckett got engaged? Yeah, shout out to her. Yeah, shout out to Latoya Luckett. Did you hear the backlash of people and like saying that she's an avid? She's a uh, what was it? Uh, 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 I'm not an avid engager, but what isn't she like gets engaged too much or she's a chronic engager or something like that. And like, they she were been like, engaged oh. more than twice. <laughs> right. It's like, Oh, What's she cr- just got out of this relationship with Rob Hill. I th- actually think my friend told me Charlemagne said something about it. I didn't hear it. So I don't know, but apparently Charlemagne said something like, you know, when she just married, like she should have just kept that to herself or something like that. Like why is she posting about getting engaged when 
we saw you get engaged before you actually got married and then you became like super quiet about what happened. So it's like you invited us into one part, but you didn't want to invite us into the other part, which I feel like. Well, that's what everybody doing social media. Yeah. And I just feel I was like at that point, you know, you just kind of got to mind your business, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I, she said this was prophesied to her. John Gray. You didn't see that story no. on Essence? John Gray, the assistant pastor at Joel Osteen Church, the black man, he's really big. He was like, he prophesied, God told him that she was going to get engaged and this was like going to be it or whatever. So, I don't know. Okay. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like she had to pay $252.38 for her <laughs> So, I... I'm glad, you know, you know. It's I, coming from a credible source. Yeah. That God didn't say, give me your change, basically. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm happy for it. The pictures look nice. Yeah, you know? yeah. Shout out to Latoya looking. I'm, I'm all for, whether I believe in it for myself or not, I'm all for love. I think love is amazing. I not like whether if, I believe in it for myself. If love is for you. <laughs> You know, grab it by the horns and take it down. <laughs> but all right, we that's gonna wrap up our mimosas and orange juice for this week. Um, y'all hit us up, use the hashtag ChatBC, hit us up on Twitter at Brunch Culture and on Instagram at Brunch underscore culture, and we'll be back for our main dish. And send us 38 cents if you're feeling it. <laughs> Apparently, God doing something strange for a little piece of change. <laughs> All right, we're back for our main dish. Today's main dish is something that if you're a young professional, uh, you probably have had this experience. It is post-graduate depression and uh, post-graduation depression. And I know I dealt with this both times I graduated with my bachelor's and my master's. More so with my bachelor's because it took me a year to find a job. And I was applying everywhere. And it's nothing more discouraging than to be doing the work and not getting any return. Like you're putting your resumes out and nothing's getting back to you. And then you got a degree and you work in a part-time job and you make it a little over minimum wage. And right, you're like, right. this is not the vision I had for my life post-graduation. I just put four years in I walked across the stage. I was happy. We had the celebration. You know, you like, okay, now I'm about to go into my career. Everything's going to be gravy. And then the job is not there. So the expectation, it's like when your expectation and your reality clash, and then you're like devastation um, because it's not like you pictured it, not like you imagined it. And it causes you to go into a depression, especially when people around you are getting jobs. And you're like, I don't know. Did I pick the wrong degree? Should I do I need to start over? Like, then you start wishing you were back in school. It's just, it's a lot, you know. So it happens to us all. How, how about you? Yes, yes, it absolutely does. And so this came from um, the article that I think, I don't know if I found it or you found it. One of us found an article. I think you maybe you found it and sent it to me. Um, and I just remember reading and being like, yo, this is a, a real thing. And it's something that we need to talk about because 
there's so many things that lead up to this. And I don't think that we're cognizant of it. And I think the important thing is as somebody that once you've kind of gotten through that phase, first off, it's important for people to notice that and know that it's out there. But I think it's also important for you to be able to look back and realize what it is so that you don't run into that same situation um, after making some sort of like change, maybe like getting a, a graduate degree or some sort of other advanced certificate or um, even changing like, you know, your position in your career and your job. Like I feel like these things t- in today's time, especially for us, we have so many opportunities and things are so fluid um, at times in terms of our career. Like it's easy to find yourself back in that space where you thought you had a plan. You've been working hard to get something and it don't actually work out or it doesn't mm-hmm. work out the way that you thought it was going to work out. And then you just kind of looking around like well what do i do like what happens um so specifically started to start with like post undergrad uh uh, depression because that was there was a very real thing much like you said like you know you work hard and you bust your butt to get this degree and, and and you graduate and you see certain people, there's some people that, you know, look up and end up landing these amazing jobs with, you know, and they or they seem to just know exactly where that where they're at. And you're kind of like, well, I did all this work and I mastered this. I was like the, the a leader in this space. But now I'm trying to, like, figure out what to do next and I don't know what to do next. So one of the things that I realized just as I was reading the article and just kind of thinking about it, one of the things that I think leads up to and the article alludes to it that leads up to kind of almost the setup for you to to be depressed is that for most of your life, you've been in school. Mm -hmm. School is like this this defined community that you know, you eventually are set up to master. You think about it. You started off, you start off at, as like a freshman, if you will, you're new, you know, you don't know anything. Like you have all these people that have way more experience than you that have already have like social ties and they know where they're fitted. They fit in and they figured out their space in that, in that world. And you are just getting there trying to do the same thing. You are, naturally learn to navigate that and you master that and so in college you do that thing and you've you've put in all of this work and you've done it at different levels you did it in elementary school in middle school you did it in high school you did it in college so you you're used to being thrusted in this place where it's like a community of the people which are nine times out of ten very consistent it's easy to make friends it's easy to make enemies it's easy to resolve issues or conflicts or you're gonna see people and stuff like that like you learn how to navigate and deal with that space and then you graduate and then that's done (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like and then you have to enter into the real world and the workforce and and even if you are somebody that gets like a career or like a good job socially your life is just completely different like there are people that are going off to get married there are people that move into another city and so you have to like learn this space so that's one of the reasons that this thing happened i think another reason that's really big that we kind of talked about too is you know career wise so we worked hard with these expectations to get into this career and we don't do it um or, or, or it doesn't turn out the way that we did and so i know for me those two things were kind of major. I wasn't really cognizant of the first thing of like, I just conquered this, you know, world of 
being at a university or being in school and now I'm no longer living in that space. I was more so cognizant of the second thing, which was I worked hard to get this degree and I got this degree and you know, this was a challenge. It wasn't a cakewalk. It was a lot of late nights, a lot of hard work, a lot of frustration, a lot of, you know, anxiety and all of this other crap. And I got it. And I don't have I have work experience, but none of my work experience directly relate to this, because in order to get the internships that I needed, I needed to be more available. But those internships were unpaid or underpaid. And I also had to work to live and to stay Mm -hmm. in there to get this degree. So for me, it was really complicated. And I looked up in the sense that the department that I was working for created an opportunity specifically for me. But before that actually happened, which maybe came like a couple months later, um, I had no, no real, like nothing to go, nowhere to go, no real understanding of like what was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just kind of like, I'm not sure and I thought the reason I wanted to get this degree so that I can secure like financial stability. And here I am <laughs> unstable, like a mug. Like, <laughs> like, what did I do this for? Exactly. And, and, and I think people don't talk about that. And you, you mentioned it too, but like, there's this expectation of you got to have it together. Mm-hmm. I think that expectation comes from your family the expectation comes from even your friends and even, I mean, yourself too, particularly it comes from those people that I feel like seem to have it all together. One thing I've mm-hmm. learned being on the other side is nobody has it together. Mm-hmm. Even those people that seem to have it together, that may have these bomb, amazing opportunities that may be taking pictures with all these very important people, or they seem to have become this very important person. They ain't got it together either. Like they are, you know, things can pan out and have turned out right for them. But we're still very young. You graduate college at what? Like the, I think the average age is what? Like 22. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't know truly life. You don't understand like this career space. You don't really know, you know, what to do in that space. You don't um, know what you want to do. Exactly. I mean, at 22, I Never thought about podcasting. <laughs> like never. <laughs> never. Like, you know what I'm saying? You there's so many things that we're doing now at 30 that we never imagined at 22. And then there's imagined. so many things that we'll be doing in 10 more years that we never imagined at 30. You at know, 30. it's exactly. just Exactly. Exactly. And and I think that is literally what you just said. That is that is kind of one of the major messages to get to get through that type of depression. Like if you know somebody that's going through that type of pressure, that type of depression or just kind of like a low rut, maybe like they're not, they can't be clinically diagnosed as being depressed, but they're just kind of like in a, in a rut because they're like, yo, I graduated and and, and I'm not where I plan to be, or I didn't get this job that I wanted to get. And it's kind of like, yo, that, that is, that's common to many of us because there's so many of us that are, you know, getting degrees and that are educated and, and, and outgoing and have like this great resume. Um, and you can't get nowhere. One thing that was so crazy to me, I remember, I remember I applied for an audit job because I remember getting my, I don't, 
I was trying to steer clear of like going running down like all this detail stuff, but whatever. Anyway, I remember applying for this one job and it was an audit job. And I just knew I was like, okay, in this, in this space, in this world, here is what I want to do. That's what I'm most interested in, in this space. That's what I think will allow me to leverage both, you know, my technical knowledge and my personality, my technical knowledge and my ability to communicate. Like, I feel like this is going to be it. Right. And I remember them telling me I needed three to five years of experience. And I was like, okay, so. Um, for entry level. Yeah, for entry level. And I was like, okay, so um, how do I get that? <laughs> right? And they were like, oh, well, you got to, you know, work in a firm. And I'm like, okay, so my GPA wasn't high enough to make me one of the top people for a firm. Um, so how do I get there? And they were like, oh, well, you just have to get other work experience. I was like, but I got other work experience. Like I got, you know, leadership experience. I have like assistant management experience. I got like, you know, people skills, writing skills. I got all this stuff. And y'all are like, well, it's not specific to this career field. You need to get more specified like um, skills. And it's like, or experience. And I'm like, yeah, well, how do I get that? If none of y'all going to give me the opportunity, opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. I, I keep trying to do this. And it's not going to work. And I remember at one point in time just being like, you know what? Like, I just got to accept this. I also I remember having a conversation with my mom and she was just like, you know, you you just keep just keep applying. You'll get it. But if this this place is offering you, I remember getting a job from t- Target. Um, I got a job offer from like their like management training program. And I knew like then like I'm only doing this for money. I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to work in retail. I think that it, it's great for some people, but I would literally have, I have, I struggle enough with trying to balance my life, like in terms of, you know, career and social and all of this other stuff. I struggle enough with that. That's with a set schedule. If I had a retail schedule where sometimes I'm working late night, closing overnight, I would never have a life because all I'm going to be thinking about is I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to go to work mm-hmm. in two hours. I got to go work here. And so I knew that was me, but I think they were hiring. They started you off with like 50K or something like that. Or maybe it was like 45, whatever it was. It was just like, everybody was like, oh, you got the job offer. They actually gave me the offer and they mailed me the letter and I turned it down. I was like, and I was broke, like dead broke. <laughs> like, for real, for real. I was like, yeah, I think at my other job, I was maybe making like $8 an hour. Um, and I literally, it was like no salary. I don't even know if I had, no, I didn't have benefits. I was still using my mama benefits. So it was kind of like, yo, I was real broke. And this would have been like the, the thing that I needed in order to have it. But I just knew that I remember thinking like, I know then because I got this degree, I want to utilize this degree and I want to utilize this degree in this way. If I go here, I'm never going to be able to do that. Like, (laughs) and I feel like. I'm going to try to apply for that field eventually. And somebody's still going to tell me the same thing. You need specialized experience. And it's like, uh-uh. and so I had to end up going and kind of creating, which I didn't even know what I was doing. It, it wasn't like a me. I had like a actual plan. I was just like, I know I ain't going to do that. I know I don't want to do that. I know that's not going to work for me as much as, as great as the money sound, that's not going to work for me. So I'm not going to do that. And then a path started to kind of be etched. And, you know, I kind of got to a place where it's like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm 
exploring and living in this place that I, I wanted to be when I was initially set on this path. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm here, but I got here in such a crazy way. And I think that's the, that's one of the major things is like, there is no, with that, when, if you, you're feeling depressed, there is really for a lot, a lot of times, there's no like defined blueprint that if you follow that, you're going to get to where you want to be. You're going to be to success. Sometimes you have to really try some things and, you know, feel yourself out. Like, I know this ain't going to work for me. I know this might work for me. I know I can kind of do this and you got to get in that space and kind of work that thing out in order to get there because it's not going to be, it's not going to be what you thought it was. Yeah, because I, I think it's it's kind of like understanding the place that the postgraduate depression puts you in a place of desperation, especially when it comes to employment. Right. And it can put you in that desperation can put you in a situation or uh, cause you to take something that's going to put you in a deeper depression. A deep, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, that is really it, a deeper depression. <laughs> So you're doing this to escape out of desperation and then you wind up in a worse situation because you didn't wait. So it's kind of like knowing the balance between what do I take for sustainability, but what do I take for my sanity? Right. And so balance being being able to be sane and being able to be stable is is that that teetering thing. Right. So in going to those times, was there anything that like you, you feel like you specifically did to kind of like shake it or to get out of that place at all? Um, it's going to sound cliche, but prayer. And then I think for me, talking to people um, about it is something that I think was important for me to talk to my friends about it. Right. Um, even as going through the post the uh, graduate grad school depression, you know, I've had several talks with you about things. Yeah. Uh, about, you know, navigating what do I do next and how am I, how is this going to pan out? Well, if I'm going to do just full fledged, you know, entrepreneur thing, like going through that, you know, having conversations and getting out those things out because the thing is about the depression, it makes you only see the bad that's happening and not the good. Right. And so you need the conversation with your friends to point out the good. You know what I'm saying? Right. Many of my friends have said, okay, well, this is not bad. Look at what's going It helps you refocus. Right. And so while depression, the postgraduate depression makes you zero in what you're not, your friends help you zero in on what what you are. And I exactly. think that's the, that's the, for me, those were the things like, okay, I need to real, realize the progress I have made and not look at the distance I have to go. Um, right, right. And, and let that be kind of the fueling for me coming out of the situation. You know, I was telling one of my friends that was experienced post-grad uh, depression, I was like, Look at it this way. You got to graduate from school with no student loan debt. So even though you don't have the job you want and other people might have the job they want, you're still ahead of them. Yeah, that's because <laughs> like, I'm talking about, look, that's some. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about financial and you're still ahead because us who graduate with student loan debt know that we graduate in a negative. So if you graduated without it, you're in a positive. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So even though you seem to be behind, you're actually ahead. Right. Um, because we're working to get to zero. You're already there. Um, right. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. So if you think of it like that, then it might help 
you know, I know it doesn't alleviate everything, but changing a per- help having people to help change your perspective. Yeah. Um, I think it's key. Yeah. To- that's what I was just about to say. The other thing, kind of the flip side to what you said, that's important and it, it goes in line with it is making sure also like while you're talking to people, also making sure that you are pushing out or keeping out those people that are going to be naysayers, that you aren't mm-hmm. going to those people for advice, that you not sharing them every your every move. You honestly might have to, you know, keep everything on the up and up. Like, how are you doing? I'm happy. How are you doing? Everything is going good. I'm good where I'm at now. I have a plan. Oh, so what's your plan to get there? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this next. And that's just what it is. Like, you don't need to go in detail because people will be well you need to do this you need to do this i specifically remember that there was this one person that graduated when i did and she moved to new york and she ended up getting like this like good paying job and she was talking about how oh you should have just did this oh you just need to do this oh don't waste your time at at that place you're just you're you're doing you're wasting your time there you're too smart for that and it was kind of like well Honestly, with everything that I have and with where I'm at, I can't make I want to make that move. It sounds great, but I don't want to just make that move with two hundred dollars in my pocket, knowing that I do have student loans, (laughs) knowing that I do have, you know, other financial responsibilities and obligations. But I'm just going to make that move, hoping and praying for something to happen. Sometimes for some people that works and you can do that. For me, I couldn't do that. And I remember having a conversation with her and she was just like, you know, I feel like you're just making excuses. It just don't sound like you really want it. And it's kind of like yo that's not what that's not helping me get through this moment you know what i'm saying like that's not helping Mm -hmm. me get there and like i look at it now and i look at where i'm at now career-wise and what i've been able to do and all the things i've been able to achieve and it's like honestly i can connect all of these dots and all of these things led me to where i'm at now if it wasn't for having this type of experience this specialized experience i wouldn't have gotten this role that experience wouldn't have gotten me into that role and then that role and i wouldn't have been able to do that and even heck podcasting you know what i'm saying like i would not be in this space of being confident in myself being able to deliver in this way and to be a be be creative and to come up with things if i had not gone on these journeys because these journeys led me to meet people these journeys led me to have conversations with people that i didn't think i was going to have conversations with right it led me to relationships i didn't think i was going to have and so i feel like I say that to say in that really be mindful of the the naysayers that you are engaging with, too, because that I feel like that really adds to it. Like that adds to the struggle of the depression or or getting over it. And like I said before, it's not just we're talking about it from the state of like postgraduate depression um, like once you've achieved something, but truly I feel like that thing and the reason that it's so important. And I want I wanted us to talk about it is like this type of thing can happen in any stage and space in your life. If you just worked really hard at something and, and, and you thought that you were going to get it and you were, or you achieved it. And then it looks different from what you thought it was going to look. It can really jack up your whole position, right? You can jack up your Mm -hmm. whole life, your whole mental state. You just kind of like, I've been working hard to get to this space and now I'm in this space and it's unfulfilling or now I'm in this, I'm in this space and it's so much more that I got to do or I don't have like all of these different things can come. And I feel like it's really important to make sure that you 
are talking to your friends, but talking to your friends that are going to be positive, supportive, realistic, but still supportive of that and are going to give you the freedom to try something, fall on your face and then try something else. As opposed to people that walk around like I got it all together. I had it all together. I've been had it all together. I'm just out here enjoying my togetherness and woe is you because you still out here trying. Yeah, I remember that time. I think I told you about this. A friend of mine told me she was like, I was really having a difficult time. And she was like, well, I think you should have went to nursing school. I'm just like, what? Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't even do medicine. Like, <laughs> like I take it, but I mean, right. like, I, <laughs> like, which I'm have on, you ever say, I'm I don't Google have an interest to... in science. <laughs> find out how to get over this cough what you talking about (laughs) like you know like why is that uh and she was like you know they make money like but i mean you have to for me i think somebody who does that they deserve the money because all they have to go through for that you have to be passionate about that to do that exactly i'm not passionate about seeing people like that like that i want to help them in that way i can't see bodily fluids i can't do that um (laughs) So I think, you know, people sometimes give you solutions to a problem based off just one dynamic without looking right, at right. thing. And it's kind of like, okay, I can make money, but I can make money doing a lot of things. That was the first thing that came to your head? Nah. And truly money is not going to make you happy. Not going to make you happy. It's not going to make you happy. And it's not going to bring the, the, the long-term satisfaction that you ultimately want. And I think that is, that's a... I'm glad you said that because that's another thing that's like I don't think people get and sometimes I don't think we get it too. Sometimes we're always out here just chasing the dollar like, you know, I'm in I'm doing this. I'm doing this for money. I'm doing this for money. But it's like, yo, you'll get to this place and you'll be making six figures and you'll still be like, but I'm not fulfilled. Like I want you know what I'm saying? Like I want something else. Like I want to feel like I'm being there's a purpose for what I'm doing. Like I, I, I don't, th- that's not going to, that's not going to be enough. And sometimes, especially if you have a setup that is conducive of you figuring out, finding out or moving towards your purpose, that is amazing. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's more incredible than somebody that's saying I'm bringing home, you know, 150 K a year. Like, because they might be doing that. And if anything goes wrong in that position, they're losing their mind. They're unstable. They can't, you know, really find clarity of who they are or feel like they're been, anything that they're doing is beneficial because they're just doing it just for the dollar sign. Um, the other thing that I, I've I've kind of been open to and you can tell me what you think about it. But one thing that I've, I've learned and I learned it from reading, um, I think it was. A friend of mine, I think my best friend like sent me like an article or or something from like an Oprah magazine or maybe she showed me it when I was at her house. And there was a there was a lady. She was having her third career change. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking like, dang, she didn't figure out what she want. And it's like, no, I figured out what I wanted. I wanted to achieve this goal and I wanted to excel in that. And I did excel in that. And I think she was something like 70 years old and she decided that she wanted to like, um, I'm going to say nursing. It may, maybe it wasn't nursing. It was, no, I don't think it was, it was something else, but maybe she had been a nurse. I knew she was like a nurse practitioner and then maybe she did something like she went to law school or something like that, but she really wanted to, she was like, yo, I've, I've discovered this. 
I really like it. I want to learn this and be successful in this. And she started, she ended up like starting like a business or something like that. And she was saying like, you're young. You have to be open to have career changes and find a purpose in that. So she was like, the purpose of me being a nurse practitioner was this thing. The purpose of me wanting to practice law was this thing. I've I've existed. And, and this is a bit extreme. So I'm not saying like we all need to, you know, have, five different career changes but it's like being open to that too because that not doing so also brings on a depression feeling like you know for many of us one of the things is like i'm i went and got this degree based off of what i thought was gonna make me money or people told me if you just go to college you get a get a degree get a good job you'll be happy and so you do that and you realize well i've done this thing and i haven't reached the pinnacle of satisfaction or happiness if you don't start to figure out what that next thing is or what that purpose is that you need to exercise in your life, that will also lead to a different type of postgraduate depression that can be long term and honestly can probably be more detrimental than anything else. Because this one will probably stick and it will be permanent because you don't have, you know, something else to do. So I think that that's another thing that like we can for me, it's like I believe that you should be open to those types of things and be open to exploring and assessing like, who are you? Where am I? You know, where am I with my with my purpose? Where am I with my goals? What does this mean for tomorrow, for next year, for five years from now, for 10 years from now? Like, I don't feel like we should get into a place and be like, well, this was the choice that I made. So I just got to ride it out for the rest of my life, even if I feel like there's no more purpose for me here. Nah, bro. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. And y'all hashtag chat BC and let us know what you think about postgraduate depression. Share your stories with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with hashtag chat BC. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's it. And we'll be back with our toaster rolls. All right, we're back with our toast or roast. And today I'm toasting my girl, Angela Rye, who is always on one. And I just love, the reason I love her is because I think that she's consistent wherever she goes. Like when you see her on The Breakfast Club, when you see her on CNN, when you see her on Instagram, she seems like the same person. And it seems like it's coming from a genuine place. And she said this one time, she was like, you know, if you ask my friends, this is who I am. And I just I love that about her because as a CNN commentator, I think the most you see people and you see kind of their stick figure, you see their what they're portraying. And I feel like she shows you the real. And no matter where it comes out, she said people call her hood and ghetto. And I'm like, but if you look at her story, you know, that's not even like this is just her personality. (laughs) Like she just has a big personality. And I don't even think it's that B. I just think she she's not going to take mess and she's going to call you out on TV. I think people are intimidated by that. Um, but I just I respect her and I respect her hustle and I respect the things she says and the way she stands up, especially in the age of Trump. Um, and so uh, shout out to Angela Rye. Hopefully I'll get to meet her one day and take a picture and, you know, tell her that I'm on one. 
<laughs> Come on, Angela Rye. I I echo that because I think Angela Rye is dope. I thought she I've thought that she's dope for like a long time since she was since I first was introduced to her on News One. Now she has definitely been dope. Um, I'm gonna give her just a quick toast, and I'm I'm gonna make it quick only because we've kind of I think I may have toasted to this before, but I watched Jay Z's uh podcast interview. This was with Rap Radar um for, on title that was released and I watched the full thing. I was actually sitting in line to get the glasses and I, and I watched the full interview and I just honestly just want to toast to Jay-Z and what he's doing to his entire team. Um, he makes it a point to point out that it's not just him. It's a team of people that are, you know, working and doing this thing and he's working with other people and he acknowledges the fact that this is great and it's great. You know, my words are great and, and my, my ideas and my concepts are great, but I have producers and I have creative directors and all of these other people that's putting into putting work into this 444 album, but also these footnotes and, and even, you know, the podcast. I think if you have title, if you have the opportunity to watch it, I don't know if it's anywhere else, but watch it. It's like an hour and nine minutes, but I feel like it's an hour and nine minutes of him being transparent. I think you get to see, you know, why he's successful. You see the cockiness of him and his belief in himself. Um, and, and to me, that taught me a lesson about what it means for people to to be arrogant or to be cocky or to have like this immense amount of confidence in themselves. And I just think it's just a really good interview. And I think the way that he's trying to affect culture is in a purposeful way. And I think that's amazing. I respect him for that. I toast to him for that um, because I feel like this is definitely these videos and this album are going to be things that we're going to be talking about for years to come. Um, and I think that is something that is going to be helpful to our community, specifically to black men, to know things that we should be considering and addressing and, and, and pulling out. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this starts a wave of other people to infuse these types of things about your relationships with your dad and your upbringing and stuff like that in your artwork and just everything you do. So toast to Jay-Z. I think it's amazing and it's super dope. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to leave y'all with today's good vibe. This week's good vibe comes from Oprah Winfrey. It says courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And that's so dope. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean that should stop you. Fear is a prerequisite for courage. So when you feel fear, that means you need to go for it. So go for it despite the fear. Um, so thank you for tuning in to another week of Brunch Culture. You can catch all our past episodes at brunchculturebc.com. You can email us at brunchculturebc at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play. Everything. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate your feedback. Chat BC to interact with us. And remember here at Brunch Culture, Everything is up for discussion.